Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. You would know that we don't shy away from the difficult issues here on Open House. So tonight, one of the most challenging issues for lots of people, both inside the church and certainly for those who look on from the outside, it's the place of women in the life of church, and in particular, women in ministry. It's been raised again powerfully over these last few days with the rejection of women bishops in the Church of England in the face of widespread support of the idea from the bishops there and both the outgoing and incoming Archbishop of Canterbury. It's said to have thrown the church into crisis. In fact, Archbishop Rowan Williams says the church has a great deal of explaining to do to women. I'd be keen to tap into your views on this. Women in the church, women in ministry, women in church leadership. Where do you stand and why? Give us a call, one three hundred forty twenty twenty, or post on our Open House Community Facebook page where a conversation has already been underway. First, I want to take you to the UK to hear how and especially why this all played out. Joining us now from London is Ed Thornton from the Church Times, who was there in the Synod for the vote. Ed, welcome back to Open House. Hello, good to be here. Thanks, Ed. It's probably worth explaining first, Ed, how this vote was taken because it was quite a complex thing and significant about who voted for what. Yes, that's right. It was well, the vote was taken in the three houses of the General Synod, the House of Bishops where it was carried um overwhelmingly, the House of Clergy, where it was also carried convincingly and where the vote fell was in the House of Laity, um, where it wasn't carried. And it, it needed two-thirds in each of those houses because it was such a momentous decision for the Church. So it achieved two-thirds in bishops and clergy houses. House of Laity, it narrowly missed two-thirds. I think it was 64% of laity, so that's people from the pews, you know, they voted for, but it needed 66%. So it seems, from calculations, it seems that it probably came down to about six votes in the end. Is there an explanation about why that disconnect between the church leadership and the people in the pew, I suppose? Well, what a lot of people are saying is that there isn't a disconnect. Actually, most people in the pews are very much in favour of women bishops, but it's the people representing them in the House of Laity and the General Synod who do not actually represent the views of most parishioners. Some people are saying that's because the House of Laity has been somewhat hijacked by, you know, hardliners or people from special interest groups or if it, all surveys um, say that people most people in the pews want women bishops when the vote was taken by local diocesan synods last year or earlier this year 42 out of 44 dioceses voted in favor of women bishops so clearly um, there's a disconnect not the bishops and the most people in the pews actually agree it's the people who actually stand and represent on General Synod, who, who seems to be out of step. Who exactly are those hardliners, as you term it, Ed? Well, I probably shouldn't call them hardliners, but many of them are they're either Anglo-Catholics who are opposed to women bishops, or they're um, a, a number of conservative evangelicals. So perhaps people are a little bit similar to your the sort of Sydney Anglicans in Australia. There's a group called Reform, um, which um, is, is very vocal in its opposition to women bishops. It's worth saying that the Synod had already agreed in principle that there should be women bishops, that there weren't you know, theological, doctrinal reasons that there shouldn't be. The issue was what provision could could be made for people who say that in conscience they cannot accept the ministry of women bishops for theological reasons. That's what it really came down to. So I think you even ended up with 
some people voting who, who in principle are in favour of women being bishops voting against the legislation because they didn't feel that the provision for those opposed in conscience was strong enough. That's really what it came down to. So there are two very passionate sides to this argument for and against. Take us through each side's argument, if you can, Ed. Why the vote for women bishops? Why the vote against? Yes, well, I mean, the, the arguments do vary a bit, but broadly, those in favour really think that it's inconsistent to allow women to become priests. They're, they're allowed to be in you know, nearly 20 years in the Church of England, um, but to have this glass ceiling preventing them becoming bishops. I mean, some people say there's a theological inconsistency that you can be admitted to the priesthood but not to the episcopate. And then more broadly, there's the equality issue um, and the cultural issue of living in the 21st century at one of the only institutions, um, perhaps along with the old golf club and the old Masonic Lodge, that doesn't allow women in, in certain positions. Um, so people think it look, makes the church look very out of touch. But there's also a theological argument people mount about there being female leadership in the New Testament and um, all men and women being equal and should therefore be able to share whatever roles. And also the pragmatic argument that people say this will transform the church. If women are allowed into all positions of leadership, it will only benefit the church and and therefore wider society. Um, on the anti-side, I mean, it, it splits really between the Anglo-Catholics who have reasons to do with, they don't really consider women can be priests. Um, they have a very Catholic view of, of priesthood and only a man can carry out the Eucharist and things like that. They also think this shouldn't be a decision taken by the Church of England alone. It should be taken by the broader universal church, and that means the Roman Catholic Church. So they really worry that introducing women bishops would separate us more from Rome. For the conservative evangelicals, it's all about headship. It's about um, man should be head of the family, and that should be also the case in the church. And they have a view of the Trinity that women should model the son submitting to the father and in that should happen in leadership it all gets a bit complicated and esoteric but broadly those are the sort of views against okay the outgoing archbishop of canterbury as i said rowan williams he says the anglican church has a lot of explaining to do to women how are the church leaders explaining this in the uk society well, so a lot of the church leaders, they were very quick, many of the bishops to issue statements, very strongly worded statements after the vote was taken, saying um, what a disaster this is and, and how things need to change. The Archbishop of Canterbury um, said a lot of, I mean, made a lot of statements saying, you know, we value the ministry of women, and there's been definitely been meetings at a local level between bishops and female clergy. Um, in terms of what they can actually do at the moment, they're a little bit limited, so a lot of it at the moment sort of coming down to... Um, well-meant sort of statements, really. What's been the broader community reaction to the vote outside the church? Um, it's been something of a, a PR disaster for the church. If you saw the headlines the day after, it's very much uh, one. I think it was The Guardian and the journalist said, I think I just saw the Church of England commit suicide, which m might be a little bit over the top, but I think it, it summed up the feeling of some that this is quite a disastrous thing for the church's... Um, position in society and how it's perceived. Politicians and the Prime Minister came out quite quickly saying um, the church needs a sharp prod to get on with this. Um, other MPs are talking about trying to meet the next Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, to work out how they can help get this through. Um, it just, I think a lot of people think it makes the church look very out of touch. Um, this has been going on for a very long time. People can't quite believe um, that they've come to this decision. But of course, there's also 
bit of a crisis of democracy because actually I think nearly three quarters of synod members did vote in favour of this and they know the vast majority of the church do want female bishops so there's just this disconnect between what people know they want and what actually happens because of how, how it's carried out. As someone who was there for that defining moment when this was rejected, can you describe to us the mood of what it was like to be there? Well, it was quite strange because when a decision of this sort of um, gravity is taken, they ask that everyone remain silent when the vote is read out. So the Archbishop of York, who is chairing the debate, he read out the vote. Um, so he said how it had been carried in the House of Bishops, House of Clergy, and everyone's quickly doing the maths when he reads out the numbers for the House of Laity. And then he says it was, um, you know, it had fallen. But there was obviously a shock, but everyone remained quite quiet. There was no triumphalism from the other side, you know, from the opponent. Um, but then afterwards, you, there was just this subdued atmosphere. You could see the Archbishop of Canterbury hugging a few people, uh, some people in tears. And I think when people left Church House, where the General Synod was meeting, um, that's where some of the anger really surfaced, where the cameras were there and people were doing interviews and some people saying they were furious. Um, some people were probably using language that's not particularly... Uh, Christian. I mean, there's a lot of talk of saying we must behave in a Christian way towards each other, be gracious. And that comes across in the speeches, but with the raw emotion, there was a lot of anger, a lot of upset, um, a lot of deep frustration that this is going to go on for a few more years, possibly many more years. I expect this issue won't go away. When is it likely to be revisited and what's likely to be the result then, Ed? Well, technically, it can't be revisited until 2015 when there are new elections for the General Synod. Um, there is a group of six, including the two archbishops on the Synod, who can push it forward. They can bring legislation forward again um, and, and get another vote. It remains to be seen what will happen and when that will happen. There's a lot of pressure coming from Westminster, from politicians and the government, and there's a lot of pressure coming from within the church to speed things up and to say we need another vote. The problem is, if they put the legislation there again with the current makeup of the Synod, would it actually... Pass. I think it might require new elections in 2015 to, to produce a House of Laity who, who would vote this through. So what may happen is there's a lot of anger at the grassroots, people saying, how do I get onto the General Synod? I didn't realise. People think of it as the quite boring, tedious aspect of church life, but they realise it really has consequences. So we may see people standing for the General Synod who wouldn't have before, who can make up the numbers in order to, to get this through. Ed Thornton, very much appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us on Open House. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.